seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, everyone, to episode 108 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of things affecting players at and away from their gaming tables. I'm your host, Daquan Watson, as always, riding shotgun with me, my main man, Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? How goes it, everybody? Doing pretty well. It's yeah. starting to actually get cold here the past couple of days in Texas. So maybe we'll actually have a winter. I don't know. Ah, uh, see, we turn to our season where it's always gloomy and wet. So it'll be wet for like 30 days and it's going to be dark forever. Like it, we, it gets seriously, if you look up in the Northwest, it goes from where it gets like the sun will come up at nine, <laughs> you know, nine 30. And then it'll be down by like four thirty, five o'clock. Like you have a real spot. You, you can go to work in the dark and come home in the dark. Like it's crazy. But the trade-off is you get really awesome spring and, and summer months. So you got to take it. And that, that's what I love about being up here, honestly, is that in the spring and summer, you can be out until damn near 10 o'clock when the sun starts going down. So after work, if you want to do yard work or you want to work on something outside or whatever, like you don't have to be in a hurry because you just have all the daylight in the world. It's it's freaking awesome, man. It's so awesome. in Seattle, do black kids still have to be home when the streetlights come on? Or how does that work? I, man, I, that's a good question. I've never thought about that. Uh, probably not. I mean... Yeah, because that still puts you out to possibly 11 o'clock for what you're describing. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've never asked. I mean, I guess you still have to be in, like, if you're in school, you have a bedtime or something, I guess. So I assume that still qualifies. So you still got to be home by, like, 8, 30, 9 o'clock so you can get in bed. But, yeah, it's it's different. It's definitely different. Something you got to get used to for sure. I'm actually going to be looking, believe it or not, of uh, reviewing one of those natural daytime lights so I can just like see what that's like. So I'm use it through this winter and see. So if it's any good, I'll recommend something. We'll see. But before we get into the show, we got to, as always, give some love to our supporters over on Patreon at patreon.com slash color magic. This week we have... Two new patrons, uh, Daniel Lucio, so thank you, and someone that literally used the screen name, don't use my name on social. I, so I don't know if that counts to use their don't use my name name, but hey, thank you just the same for coming on board and being a pip. It's <laughs> a Rumpelstiltskin. Let's call Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Rumpelstiltskin. That works. Also, to give our shout out of the week to one of our patrons, I decided to highlight Emma Larkins. For those of you who don't know... She's super friendly. I've gotten to be a co-commentator with her on a charity event a couple years ago. But she's also a board game designer of an award-winning board game, Abandon All Artichokes. It's a great family game, a lot of fun. It's kind of like a reverse pair-making game. You're trying to empty your hand, which is kind of funny. But yeah, it's actually really cool, uh, super affordable. So go check that out and support one of our patrons so we can support and great and support us. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Also, uh, this week I'm going to be drawing names for our Patreon winners, and we'll be announcing those next week. So if you are a patron, you are eligible for prizes every single month that I will mail out to you. Assuming you are receiving prizes and your addresses in your Patreon, I will send it out. 
So we'll be announcing those next week. So this will be our first month doing that, and we'll be doing it every month going forward. We also want to give some love to the people over at Cardsphere.com because they're just awesome people. They support the show. They allow Brian to write over there and give him an outlet for his prose, if you will. <laughs> and and it's actually, I mean, really, they do support. If you want to call it that, <laughs> if you want to call it that, no, they do support a lot of quality content creators. So if you're supporting them, you're supporting a lot of your favorite people out in the magic community, which is always good. So go check them out over at cardsphere.com. And then we have to tell you about our new show sponsor, at least for this month, Manscaped. So you can support the show by going and buying some stuff over at Manscaped. They are the men's below the waist grooming champions of the world. You know how that goes. But they they are. They're the ones that everybody knows. They're kind of synonymous with it, right? You think about shaving your stuff, you think about Manscaped, right? Or, but you know, uh, deodorizing your stuff uh, <laughs> after you shaved it. That's true. Which is funny because you, know, you always, you know, obviously, you know, you when you think about parts of your body that could probably use some deodorant, the armpits are obvious, but I would have never thought about deodorant for my boys till uh, they, they sent me that like yeah now okay well i'm glad somebody thought of that yeah they do they have that they 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 tell you to take care of all your stuff really well and they have some some deodorant like you're saying you know they've got some stuff to kind of give they even actually they even have a, a straight razor you can buy that actually if you need to get trim the like little edges a little better and get some better uh precision if you will. But I will say this. I want to point out something that I, we did have somebody message me and say like, ah, they kind of want to support us, but they're not really into shaving bald or whatever. You actually don't have to. They actually have it just like a hair razor that comes with guards on it. So if you have a certain length you like to keep, you can do that too. They are actually like a full service product, I guess, if you will. But yeah, really, yeah. really cool folks, really cool products. And again, like I said last week, like I use the nose hair and ear hair trimmer and that like, dude, it worked. I mean, I've had no issues. Like, <laughs> like, so it's not a product. They're weed whacker. It's not a product that really gets talked about a lot, but definitely check that out. If, it, if it's a problem for you, you can hook it up. Also, As you said, precision, which when you're talking about your boys, you, you want precision. That's you're you're going to be shaving that area. And don't forget, if you go to their website, you can get 20% off and free shipping worldwide. Just use promo code COLOR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping worldwide using promo code COLOR. You can unlock your confidence with their new Lawnmower 4.0. So check that out. Now, we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of some things, because, man, I got one today. I got one. Yeah. This one... Mm. man okay this is good because i i get to let some stuff out right now because last week i took shots at myself for not being a big enough nerd or whatever right but for those of you that don't know maybe you forgot with all the stuff going on last summer with the with the george floyd stuff and the riots and all that mess and the and the protests one kyle rittenhouse decided he was going to unload a couple bullets on some people they eventually found him. He's been in custody and out of custody, but apparently more in custody and is now on trial right now. His lawyer's defense. A man. 
he stood with a straight face and said to a judge and jury, he feared for his life because one of the, that they actually can't call them victims, by the way, during this trial. I saw that. That's also a thing. But one of the people who he shot, he feared that he was going to possibly be able to decapitate him because he had a skateboard. And if you were to come down with the skateboard on the right angle of the neck, you would be able to sever a head. What the hell? What? I watch as many Friday the 13th movies as you have, I'm sure. And even Jason ain't ever tamed with his head off with a skateboard. I'm like, do these skateboards have blades on the side? Like, what is... Yeah, what like- kind of skateboard? It's just... Well, it's like a... It's like a Rodney King trial thing where, you know, your client is guilty as hell. We got footage of your client committing the crime. And at that point, as a lawyer, what do you do? I guess skateboard defense is what you do. Yeah, like, but here's my problem, right? That, and and the only reason I really brought it up is because you know we did talk about the George Floyd stuff when it happened and everything else. But this is a situation where, where is the line for? Well, everything is a deadly weapon. Like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, well, it, my backpack could have had a bowling ball in it. That now could make it a deadly weapon. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like at what point are we going to say that everything you see? Is it that because we've already had issues and we've seen it publicly with police officers claiming like, well, I had to shoot him because I thought this random thing could possibly kill me and I feared for my life. Cell phone, you know, just just, it's whatever. If a black person has it, it's just a deadly weapon. We're all apparently like John Wick. (laughs) We can kill you with a skateboard, a pencil, just any random object you might find around the house, apparently. Yeah, and that and that's the thing. And I and it, and to bring this back to gaming, like this comes back to those conversations we've had where I've mentioned, like, well, I don't feel comfortable going to certain places or certain towns or areas or whatever under certain conditions because situations like this crap come up, or the stories we've heard from the officers where it's like, I don't want to get caught in a situation where it's just like. Uh, how do I even defend? What's my defense, right? Or, or do I just risk getting hurt or killed or whatever, not really doing anything? And it doesn't sound realistic, but when you see situations like this, where a dude is claiming, well, he had to shoot him because he had a skateboard, like, yo. Come this on. is already sounded like the affluenza defense, if you remember that yeah, one. Yeah, you know, that I was a bad one, too. That was a bad I, I'm so rich. I, I didn't know the difference between right and wrong. And you hear that and you think there's no way anybody will buy this and then no way to get away with it. But here we are. You know what I mean? Like, you would think not, but here we are. Uh, all right. I'm 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 going to pass it on to you. You can you can step up on the soapbox. I'm, I'm done. All right, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci of, uh, you know, COVID-19 pandemic fame has basically said it looks like in the U.S. it's never completely going away because we just, we, we've hit the wall, kind of with vaccinations where almost everybody that, that, that wants to get vaccinated has gotten vaccinated. The, 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 the people that, that don't want to wear masks aren't going to wear masks. There's just, I guess, the, the, that core group of the population that doesn't believe it's a real thing or doesn't believe it's a serious. It's, that, that's where we are. Where we, we can, apparently 
can no longer completely eliminate pandemics in this country because we, we we just we can't get people to act right. This is, I, I, this is sad. Yeah, I just shudder to think like, well, let's say if we were here when the polio vaccine came out, and you remember reading the history and just thinking about how how happy everybody was that there's a vaccine that they could get rid of polio. And people, for the most part, seem like, for everything I've read and heard, nobody, you know, really wants it. Nobody, but obviously enough people took it to where polio is an extremely rare occurrence now in the United States. Yeah, but the toughest part is it just got politicized so early. That, that's That's really the worst part about it. I, I think we could have really been past this already. And, yeah. and it sucks. There, I mean, we're kind of at the point of no return on it. I, I've told you before, going back to events, I'm probably going to be a mask person for the at least foreseeable future. You know, and now if there's small gatherings like at a friend's place and I know most of the people yeah. or whatever, and it's, I don't know, 12 to 15 folks, I'm probably not going to be that worried about it. But if I'm going to a convention or some big tournament or whatever that's going to be hundreds, if not thousands of people, I'm probably just going to be wearing a mask from here on out. I mean, we've also seen, you know, by our own guests we've had on the show, but also, you know, all the research and everything that people aren't getting sick with other stuff because everybody's wearing yeah. masks and taking care of themselves and using sanitizer and all that. So like that alone makes it, hell you, I mean, I don't know about you, but in my social circles, I've seen a bunch of people saying they just haven't even gotten sick in two years that they were right? that they went to conventions and came back without getting the con crud for the first time, which was just phenomenal. It's also, we talked about how just wild it is that we just knew we were going to get sick. And a lot of us didn't, and I didn't do anything about it. Just, Hey, you know, con crud, it's a thing. And cause it would it, before now hadn't been anything really serious, you didn't worry about it. You just accepted that if you went to an event, you were probably going to get sick a few days later. But it's not a thing. And, and that's my problem, right? Because we have these situations where we can see when we go to these conventions, people aren't getting sick anymore. You know, like there's has to be something to that. That's not coincidental. I mean, I don't know. Like, and, and honestly, like it was kind of the same thing we saw with the police forces up in New York, whatever. Right. I went and looked up the data on police officers that died to COVID related symptoms versus on the job stuff. They're on the job stuff, I believe, was only like it was a little less than 400 deaths, like 390 something. There was already over 700 this year as of like two months ago. Already dead due to COVID. So, so almost double. Yes. And they were still like, nah, I don't, I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want to take the vaccine or whatever. And it's just like, yo, like, like uh, you wear bulletproof vests, you know, you wear tactical gear and all those things when you feel like you need to. My thing is, you though, carry like, a gun, you know. But but their job is to go into these situations, these large crowds, <laughs> these events, these concerts, these football games, you know, whatever. So I'm like, I don't. I don't get it. Like me personally, like I said, I'm probably just going to be masked for a while. I mean, I've already gotten used to them to the point that I'll come home after having gone to the convenience store or grocery shopping or whatever, and almost forget I have the mask on. <laughs> like I'll go and be putting stuff in the fridge or go to wipe my face or something and be like, oh crap, I'm still wearing the mask. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's not that big a deal to me. I mean, I guess if it is for you, it is for you, but like, I don't, I don't 
even hardly notice. I've gotten to the point I keep one in my pocket. I keep one in the armrest of my car. You know, so I just have them. I have one in my coat pocket just in case I forget one. I can just snag one somewhere. But yeah, I, I'm, I, I expected COVID's going to be around a while. I mean, it's going to be, I don't know, maybe this generation's flu. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, as you said, it's become so political. Every race, we end up talking about COVID or COVID precautions, and it ends up being a, a bizarre. People are attacking school board members for suggesting that people should wear masks. And Dude, I saw a video where a dude came up, two dudes came up to a I guess it was a mobile COVID testing site. They had like these vans and they set up the tents outside the vans or whatever. And you can come by and they'll just test you for free. They just came by and started overturning all their crap, like throwing their, their, their canopy over flipping their table. And I'm like, really? Like, even if you don't think it's a thing, like, ah, come on people. (laughs) Like, uh, but yeah, I think events, if you just want to be healthy, not get sick, probably gonna be best on just wearing wearing masks for a while that's at least the camp i'm gonna be in but that being said you know we like sharing fun and interesting and odd facts sometimes so brian what do you have this week well uh, blizzard slash activision had their investor call for this quarter recently and Overwatch, uh, Overwatch 2, Diablo, I think uh, 4, I believe it is, are apparently not coming out till maybe 2023 at the earliest. You know, when half of the people end up leaving your company, either voluntarily or involuntarily, lo and behold, it gets really hard to put video games out. Man, I'm just thinking, how hard was that phone call to make today? Yeah, like, hey, stockholders, <laughs> you know, all the stuff we were planning on making money on next year, none of it's happening. Basically. Oh, I'm just thinking, like, at some point, this is the one time you're going to have to, like, so all that stuff you've been hearing in the news. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, that had to be rough. That had to be a rough one. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's, that's just circle, circle of the wagons right there. Because, I mean, they had already talked about how, you know, Overwatch League this uh, next season was supposed to use Overwatch 2. So we've gone mm-hmm. from that to, oh, it ain't even coming out. And because of the, the apparently the, the Overwatch 2, whenever it comes out, they switched from 6v6 to 5v5. So I'm sure a lot of teams are already beginning to fire people because you weren't going to expect to need as many people if you're playing, you know, one if yeah. the game is one person shorter, and now it's like, oh wait, I guess, hey, you know, let's go. You, it's a disaster. It's yeah, just ex- an unmitigated disaster. Right now. Extend those contracts for one year. Yeah, got to do something. And that assumes that people haven't already gone on and found another team, which you would be within your right to do if your previous team has said, hey, we only need one tank or one DPS because yeah. we're yeah. playing a different game now. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, that, that's a tough one. But we, we sort of saw it coming, right? We, whether voluntarily or involuntarily, some people have left the company. So, I mean, you got to restructure and you got to hire people. It's, it's going to be difficult. Well, what I learned was interesting because I, I think I mentioned it before. I have, have a new review and reaction channel where I'm reviewing products and trying new things or whatever. And... I had people from around my communities recommend some food and snacks, so I'm putting things up over there. But 
today's video was regional drinks. And apparently they make spicy ginger ale, which is a weird thing. I'm not going to lie. I expected to Jerry? absolutely hate it, but I didn't hate it. It actually was all right. Flavor-wise, it's pretty good. The The only issue I had with it, it's called Blenheim, by the way. Here's, here's the empty bottle from uh, the test. I don't know if y'all can see that. There you go. For those of you that are watching on, on uh, YouTube. But it's... My issue is I couldn't think I couldn't think about when I would want to drink it. You know what I mean? Like every other drink, I'm like, ah, I'm a little bit hot. Let me grab one of these cold beverages. Or yeah. I'm having this type of food. Let me have this drink. Or I can mix this with like milk or ice cream or whatever, and I'll have that. But like, I don't know when I'm ever going to want just a spicy ginger ale. So it was kind of like a weird conundrum that like I drank it and went, oh, that tasted pretty good. <laughs> but compared to all the other things I had on the same video, I'm like, but I can just drink these others whenever. Like, I will have a mood or an opportunity or a scenario pop up where I want those. I just don't know where I want, like, a spicy ginger. Unless maybe there's some, like, really cool alcoholic drink or something, maybe, that it needs the spice or whatever. <laughs> I can't think of a time I would ever it want. It keeps coming back to the spice, doggone it. Yeah. You claim I, you've never seen Dune. He, 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 here you are constantly <laughs> trying to sell us the spice. What's that's up? True. But for anybody curious, you can watch me try uh, the Blenheim ginger ale, Werner's ginger ale, uh, cheer wine, actually, and some autocrat coffee syrup, which apparently is a thing from Rhode Island that I'd never heard of, but you make coffee milk with Wait, it. Autocrat? Yeah, that's the name of it. Name of the company. I swear to God. I, I probably still have the container. Oh, no, it's downstairs. But like... What is that yeah. like for dictators or something? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> just saying. It's that is the weirdest name for a beverage I think I have ever heard. It's apparently really old, and it's been a thing in Rhode well, yeah, Island for a while. Like so, but it's really good. I don't know what to say. But anyway, check out the video, Power Dragon reviews and reacts. It's over there if you want it. Oh man. Anyway, let's get to the news of the week. All right, one of the fun things that happened this past weekend was uh, Degenerate Gaming, which I'm now working with, actually had their first creator open. And what this was is it was a Magic tournament. It was standard format. They actually allowed any content creators, I believe, to participate and then any members of the Degenerate Gaming Patreon. So it was pretty cool. It was a way for, like, if you're a Patreon member, you got to participate against all these content creators that you watch all the time or listen to or whatever. So that was actually pretty cool. I mean, it's like a community event. Because it's not often that fans of people also get to compete against those people, right? Maybe if you follow them on stream, you might get to game against them once or twice, but like not really in a competitive setting. So this was actually kind of cool to see. Uh, it had a pretty reasonable turnout for the first one. Let me go look at the total participants. I believe it was like 49 was the count, I think. So that was pretty cool. And the other interesting thing is it wasn't like it was full of just the same decks, right, that you would expect to see. People brought a lot of different stuff and were really having fun with it, I guess. So you got a lot of unique decks. I think the top eight, I don't even know if they had a duplicate deck in the final eight, which is pretty cool. So it's not yeah. something. Yeah, especially late in the standard season. That's not something you're saying. Let's see. They had Jun Treasures, Mono Black Midrange, Demir Control, Orzov Clerics, Is It Dragons, Jun Midrange. Uh, and no, there was, oh yeah, and a mono green aggro and mono black aggro. So yeah, it was actually yes. eight different decks. 
so yeah, that's pretty cool. And then actually just outside the eight, you had two mono white aggro decks and then an is it epiphany deck. So a good, good spread. It was a good representation of all the things that have been available this season. Uh, and they're looking forward to doing some more events like that. But what I, what I wanted to ask you, Brian, though, is like, have you, like, how do you view these types of events? Because we don't have that many of them. It's always either like, just kind of a general open, open event or, you know, a super competitive, you know, got to qualify for sort of thing event. Yeah. It seems like a cool thing is you say, if you've uh, watched these people on stream, get a chance to just play against them. So even if, you know, even if it's not the most ultra competitive thing, it'd just be kind of a fun thing. Yeah. I think that's, that's what stood out to me the most for the event is that even though, you know, there was some like, I want to take down my favorite content creator sort of thing. Cause there's always like, you know, the bounty on your imaginary bounty on your head. Like everybody seemed to be having a good time with it. The people in chat, you know, the players, even after they lost, were coming and participating and cheering the other people on. It was, it had very much a community feel to it, which I thought was pretty awesome because I think too often we can kind of get caught up in like one that winning means you're better you know, when you just won on that one time on that day. But yeah, it's the right matchup sometimes, too. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes just the decks are, don't line up well. But I think we also get caught up in, like, you have to be constantly in the zone on your A game, you know, whatever. And it's just like, no, this wasn't a huge event. Like, it had some prizes, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't, like, high-dollar prizes. You know, it was some store credit and, you know, with the website and, you know, some other small things. But... I, I think we have to get away from like, it, like, I think we just have to understand the stakes in events. You know what I mean? Like if you run into like, don't get me wrong. Like I'll win some, I'll lose some on ladder or whatever. Right. But if you run into me on ladder and you lose to me, it doesn't mean I'm that much better than you. And the same way that if you beat me, it doesn't mean you're that much better than me. It just meant on that day, I won that match and that's it. Like there's, it doesn't literally means nothing else in the grand scheme of things. And when you're, you're playing an event for, I don't know, an under $10 entry fee. Hell, some of them under $5 entry fee if they're not free. And the top prize is like $50 store credit somewhere. Like you don't have to be on pins and needles. You don't have to be high stress. Like just enjoy the event for enjoying it. You're not playing for any. Now it's different if you're playing one of these big wizards events or the world championships where you got $50,000 on the line and you're okay, cool. Well, yeah, yeah, pressure makes understand sense. Understand the sweat. Absolutely understand it at that point. Yeah, for some people, that that's a good year salary, depending where you live right. in the country. You know, like that match could be fifty thousand dollar anti match, effectively. You know? Not to mention, if you're you know a content creator, that's the kind of thing like you have that good run, you know, during a tournament that's being broadcast. That that could be that that's maybe monetization for your YouTube channel or partner for your Twitch stream or whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, a lot a lot of people make it on streaming or content creation by just having one or two big results. Like you get known as the person for playing a certain deck type or a certain character in an uh, FPS or whatever. And then you're just the person, you know? So those situations make sense. But, you know, like this event where you're talking about whatever, 40 people or whatever, 50 people, you know, it's a bunch of casual folks hanging out with their favorite content creators. Like, I'm glad it didn't get high stress and, and chippy or whatever. Like I would have been pretty disappointing. Like 
I want to encourage more people to do these types of events because they were fun. The viewership was actually reasonable. I think they topped out at like six or 700 people. So like solid viewership for a thing that didn't get heavily promoted because they didn't know, you know, if they were going to have a bunch of hiccups the first time trying a bunch of new stuff or whatever. And so it was mostly just like local community got invited and knew what was happening or whatever for the most part. But it went over well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to see more. They were already doing some polls and stuff for, for future formats. But, yeah, I really, really, really do hope we get to see more of these types of events because I think they could be very cool. But that does bring us to Crimson Val. Because by the time people are watching this or listening to this, uh, there's maybe one more day of previews, I think, the way things line up. So... The one thing I do want to say is we've seen a lot of upgrades to existing decks. There's cards that I think almost every deck can use. I think there's some strategies that were on the edge. Like when you're talking about like zombie theme decks and vampire theme decks, that sort of thing. Those are going to get an upgrade, obviously, from some of the cards in the set. But also, I think there's some stuff where it's like people wanted more like mono red aggro to be more just traditional mono red aggro instead of uh goblins or whatever right <laughs> so but now there's Are like goblins a, not considered traditional but because had they pretty much been there since the beginning of mono red well yeah in theory but like you know players who started playing in the last couple of years don't necessarily see it that way because they don't they don't have that history but i mean there's there's an option and an opportunity where that might be a thing now you know so it's kind of cool seeing all these and i have to say so far i don't know about you brian but like it feels to me like this is actually a set full of options which is pretty cool and some of them very powerful definitely this seems like uh well as you mentioned we just had a tournament you know where there didn't seem to be any just dominant deck everything was represented and this set looks like we may hopefully continue that trend yeah i think for me the only thing i've been looking at is just like did we give more tools to the non-Izzet decks? I think that's the biggest thing. Or actually, not just non-Izzet, but also non-mono-green aggro decks, right? Because I think those two, when you get to the competitive level, were the most represented decks. So I think, and don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not saying we need to kneecap those and just cripple them, but bring other things at least closer to the same power level to diminish their percentage of the metagame. I think those decks are always going to be good. They'll always still be popular. They each got one or two small tools. So, I mean, but where they go, maybe now making up 30% of the meta, you know, in a big tournament, maybe now they drop down to being closer to 20%, right? And that becomes much more palatable, I think, for people when you're playing an event. And if you play five rounds, you don't play four matches of either is it something or mono green. Right now, maybe you play against two of them and like, okay, that feels a lot better. Right. You don't feel so bad about that. But I'm only saying that because it does look like, you know, zombies, like we said, get an upgrade. Vampires, maybe in a couple of different builds are going to be a thing. Various Rakdos aggro decks could work. Mono black aggro is probably a thing. Even the mono white decks got a couple of things to pick up. Those decks were already good. So. I'm I'm looking forward to what this new standard might look like, honestly. One thing I want to ask though, have you seen any cards that stand out to you or that you really like so far that have, that have come up? Uh, definitely Headless Rider. I don't know if there's really going to be 
the tier one, but it was just a, a good headless horseman card for that. That's, you know, the thematic and, and good for me. Somewhere Washington Irving is smiling down that we got essentially a headless horseman card that does cool things. Uh, that's the three mana three one, right? That actually, yeah. yeah. Every time uh, either headless rider or another zombie dies, you get a two two zombie token. Yeah, that one so actually seems like is. fun. Definitely thematic. I mean, the headless horseman, you gotta love. Yeah, that one's pretty cool. And actually, not even the first headless horseman we've had in Magic. I believe it's the third one because I know the oh, oldest wow. one. Okay. The oldest one is from the dark. And I believe there was another Headless Horseman variant or something in the last time we went to Innistrad. Maybe it's an Eldritch Moon. I don't remember. One of those. But yeah, so it's a trope they definitely bring up uh, enough. And I think they may have actually finally got one that people want to play. <laughs> All right. So they, they might have finally got it right. And so we probably won't see any more after this one if we go back to Innistrad in, I don't know, another six years or seven years or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure at some point we got to. It's just it's a fun Halloween time kind of set. Yeah. Well, now, one of the ones that has really gotten some attention, I forgot the name of it, uh, like Bloodline Purveyor, I think, but it's a it's a five, six flying trampling vampire for four mana for two black, black. And if your opponent casts a spell, they get a blood token. When it attacks, your creature gets bigger for the number of blood tokens your opponent controls. This is one that I think is going to show up in a lot of builds. Um, partly because even if you're just playing an aggro deck that has black, this is a really big body for four mana. Yeah. I mean, and it flies. I yeah, mean... That, that's exactly it, right? Because it's also hard to block because most of the other flyers aren't that big. And at five, six, it can basically stonewall all but one of the dragons that are being played right now. And the one is Inferno of the Star Mounts, right? All the other dragons are four or five power, and that's it. <laughs> so this is a pretty strong card. Now, the downside does become a bigger downside if you're playing against other vampire decks, because we know all the vampire stuff gets to take advantage of the blood tokens and whatever. But outside of that, it might not be too bad. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. But this is definitely one that's getting a lot of hype uh, across the internet. I think when people saw it, it... It seems good. Yeah, I can't imagine a scenario where this is just bad. Like, even just top-decking that is pretty big. Now, the downside is if your opponent goes to remove it, they'll remove your creature and they get a blood token, which is a little bit of a disadvantage for you. So, I mean, it, it may come down to... How big is that advantage or that disadvantage, I guess, the advantage for your opponent? Because I don't think a lot of people have really processed blood tokens totally. I think you have a lot of people saying, no, nah, I don't really get I have to discard something to get a card. But like there's a lot of stuff that wants things in the graveyard. Yeah, There's flashback stuff. We've seen a lot of the disturbed stuff coming out in this set for for the uh, spirits decks. Right. There's the option of just late game. Maybe you draw a land. You can discard exactly. your land to draw another card, right? So lots of things you can do with those blood tokens. So it could end up being a draw. I'm not saying that it is, but it very well could end up being a drawback. But it's definitely an exciting card, if nothing else, because it adds some interesting decisions. And I, and I think I'm almost always in favor of that. Like if a card is strong, but it adds interesting decisions for both sides of the battlefield, I'm kind of into it usually. 
but yeah, I don't know. Crimson Val looks to be like a good set. This this might go down. And I was telling talking about this on my stream the other day. I feel like this could go down as being one of the sets that is one of the more popular sets in Magic history. I don't know if it'll be the most valuable set, but I think it's going to be one of those sets that you keep coming back to because people are like, oh, yeah, I want to play this in my zombie deck, or oh, I want to play this in my spirit yeah. deck, or I want to play this in my vampire deck, right? Especially because of Commander. Like, if you have a thematic Commander right now that's a zombie, a spirit, a human, a, a vampire, hell, there's even werewolves. some wizards. Yeah, yeah, werewolves. I mean... There's going to be a lot to pick from in this set that's going to be really fun for Commander. And there's some some cool, just interesting cards that fit some Commander decks. So there's going to be a lot of cool stuff here that I think for years to come, I could see these being cards that a lot of them you're going to be able to pick up for $0.50 cents to $1, $2 right now. And I would not be surprised in three, four years' time, five years' time, some of those same cards are 5 6 $10 because people are just going to keep playing Magic and they're going to need these cards. So, yeah, has a lot of potential, and that's always a good thing. Now, while we're also talking about previews, we got to put out a PSA real quick. Like, I got to keep the I don't got it, but I'm going to keep this at least PG-13. So I'm, I'm going to rein myself in here. But... Why do some of y'all just feel the need to just be constant party poopers, right? Like if somebody likes a thing or likes a new card or it goes into their commander deck or I don't know, they like the art or the flavor text or whatever it is, let them enjoy a thing. Hell, that didn't even just apply to magic. If they like a certain character in a fighter game that you think is the worst character in the game, who gives a damn? Let them play it. They enjoy having fun with it. Let right. them do it, right? If they like a certain weapon in a game and you think that's the worst weapon in the FPS you play, if they're learning it and they get good with it, good, just let them do it. Who cares? Not everybody. Like, okay, first off, some of y'all that are running your mouths, it's not like you got credentials anyway. <laughs> like, they say, just, just calling it like I see it. Like, you know as well as I do. Some of the ones that talk the loudest have the fewest credentials. So let the people enjoy what they want to enjoy, man. And, and even if you are, you know, uh, that the auto platinum level player or whatever, for, for people that, that are just trying to have fun, like you say, enjoy playing a card or, or a character. Like, look, this is, these are games. We're supposed to be having fun here. Yeah, I think that's exactly it, right? It's about fun and enjoyment, entertainment, like just if they see a new card and they want to be excited, like right now, I saw somebody, they hopped in my Discord the other day. They were excited about that new seven mana, seven, six worm or something that gains life when it comes into play, I think. And then you can exile it from the yard to gain life. I think the card's not very good at all, but you know what? They're excited to be able to build a deck with it. Cool. I wasn't going to tell Sometimes them. Sometimes it's fun to play with, with that weird thing that you know necessarily isn't good. Just you, if, if it works that one time, you've had if it works one time in five rounds, you've had fun. Yeah, yeah and that's my thing. I wasn't going to tell them to not try. Like, go ahead. And I mean, if they ask my opinion on it, I'd say, yeah, I don't like it because it's a little bit pricey, and I could be doing this with six or seven mana or whatever. But if you want to buckle down and you know go for it, yeah, have fun. That's the whole point. Experiment. 
but it's just tough when like I've gotten to the point that I've started blocking some people on social media. Like for real, if all I see from you during a preview season is you're just trying to crap on everybody who likes a thing, then like, cool. I just don't need that in my life, dog. Like, I just don't need that negativity. I ain't got time for it. You know what they're writing on the wall. Yeah. So if you just wonder why you ain't seeing my post anymore, well, (laughs) it ain't an accident. Just saying. Because and, and honestly, I enjoy my social media quite nicely, I have to admit. So, you know, when you don't have that and no wrong, I'm OK with people having opinions. And if, if somebody's yeah. having a question on strategy or they're talking about putting it in a certain deck or whatever. Great. Have that talk. Right. That's what that's for. But if it's somebody just, oh, man, there's a new I don't know. There's been a bunch of random things. A new frog I can put in my frog deck or whatever. Going in and bashing the frog doesn't do anything. They don't care that it's good or not. Right? They're building it's a, a frog. Theme. Yeah, they're building a theme deck. They just want to build around it. Let them do it. Like, what's wrong with you? I mean, I see it all the time in so many games that people are like, oh, well, you shouldn't pick this thing. You should do this. You shouldn't go with that strategy. You should do that. I'm like, but if the person is having a good time, let them have a good time. Now, if they're saying, right? I'm trying to do this, but I'm struggling and I don't know why or whatever. Okay, cool. Open up. Help them work on their game, figure out the strategy they're trying to figure out, whatever it is. But if, you know, and I see that on people's streams. If the stream's happening and the chat's happy and the streamer's doing their thing, you sitting there going like, well, you should probably pick this card. You should probably do this thing. Or you should probably attack this person. Or you should probably... Nobody cares. They <laughs> were having a great time before you opened your mouth. You're like, learn to read the room. Seriously. And I've done that walking in people's stream because I've been like, why would what's even going on? Why would you do this or whatever? But, <laughs> but, but, but obviously, yeah, they're having a good time. It's a meme for the chat. The chat's enjoying what's happening. Cool. I'll just hang out and be part of the community. Like, who cares? I'm not gonna correct somebody. That's silly. Let them do what they're gonna do. But anyway, just want to put that out there because, like, man, some of y'all, y'all gotta just I feel bad for some folks. Some of y'all, y'all just <laughs> y'all just walk around being sad all the time. <laughs> I, it's true you gotta if you're harboring that much negativity there ain't no way you ain't sad a lot of the time like you you go get some therapy and i mean that seriously now there's one more thing i do want to address before we get to the dinner table this week and it's that the two biggest organizations running tabletop gaming events right now it's particularly magic events star city and channel fireball also both very big websites Star City Games had their uh, Invitational this past weekend. Multi-day event, multiple formats. Channel Fireball's got the big Magic the Gathering Vegas, because they can't call it a Grand Prix, in Vegas in two weeks, I think. And neither one of them has coverage scheduled. Star City just had theirs, no coverage. There was a few social posts I saw that highlighted a couple of people getting paired up for a match. And a couple of them, they came back and reported who won or lost on it. And they showed, you know, like, uh, Corey Bowmeister won, and they showed his, you know, his picture, and he had a little little short video. And But I don't understand, right? Like, you, you did all these online events for Star City to get people qualified. And then this is your first big in-person event in a year and a half, but you don't have coverage. And for them, I really don't understand because 
it was in their backyard effectively. Is that their their space? You have your people. Now, admittedly, there may be better commentators you could fly out there or whatever, right? But they have qualified people in-house. They have people that get on camera every week and do stuff on their YouTube channel and whatever and on their website. So why not have coverage? Like, I don't understand. Now, Channel Fireball also, let's say, like they're also doing what's going to be the largest magic event easily in the last two years because COVID's kept a lot of events from happening. You could probably find the money for coverage if you know you're going to have that many people. Also, they had all this other stuff for Flesh and Blood over the last two months, three months, at least two months. So maybe Fab ponied up some of that to help pay for it, but at the same time, and like we talked about, that's you know, Flesh and Blood is trying to trying to make a name for themselves. I get that, but I also bet you could find funding for this event, whether it's from Ultra Pro, Wizards of the Coast, you know, whatever. Like there are a bunch of people that if you told them, hey, we're going to run the one big magic event for the year, we have all of these content creators and personalities coming out that we're promoting and doing all this stuff, like there's going to be eyeballs. Right? I guess at the end of the day, you know, it, have, it looks like the two major people that are doing it have decided that's not how they want to spend the money. Which is so weird to me. I don't understand. Because literally, that's all people were asking for all weekend on Star City's thing. It was like, hey, where's the coverage link? Hey, are y'all going to do coverage? Is there going to be anything anywhere I could watch the games? Blah, blah, blah. Like, literally every post I saw from the Star City thing, there was somebody asking about coverage. Literally 100% of the ones I saw. And I guess that I guess did they respond say hey maybe next time or just, no they literally the... just said there's no coverage and then and that was, like, was it pretty much yeah when I when I saw a response they obviously didn't respond to all of them but I just don't understand like hell they could have flown me out and I'd have done commentary I mean like if it was a matter of finding people I was available just just saying like I could have been had so I I don't I don't really understand. Especially, again, they're doing all this promotion of tons of personalities coming out there who are going to be at the event. So they're putting up social posts for everything. You know, they've gone and made all the steps to make it safe. They're checking for vaccines and and doing all this other stuff. Like, so they know it's going to be a big deal. But for some reason, no. And I saw, I wish I remember who it was. It wasn't Fire Shoes. It was somebody else, I think. But they went out and got a sponsor just to do their own on-site coverage to try to at least do text coverage and share stuff on social or whatever, because nobody's doing anything. Like that was going to be my next question is like, is anybody else kind of, because usually when there's a, a gap like that in coverage, that's when somebody else can make a name for themselves. Yeah. And it's just odd to me that like you have not only somebody who's like, well, fine, I'll at least do the bare minimum coverage. And then somebody who's paying that person to do the bare minimum coverage, which means channel fireball could have found somebody to pay them to do real coverage. So we know that the want exists and people are willing to pay to put their name on it because they know how big it's going to be. So like, that's the part I don't understand. It's not like, oh, we can't find people to pay for these things. I guarantee you, if you gave me four days, I could find you people willing to pay enough to at least at the bare minimum, cover the cost of the, the commentators and, and getting them out there. You may have to pony up to ship your equipment down there and cameras or whatever, but like, I can at least get you half the way there without having all the connections and everything else that they already have from having done it a bunch of times. 
So like, I don't understand. I don't understand. Even, even cause I was with you. I thought maybe it's a money play, right? Maybe they each didn't want to do it. Cause there are, cause there are costs. I mean, people think coverage is free, but it's like, no, you do have to pay labor to set up stuff. You have to have a technician yeah. on hand. You have somebody who's basically playing the role of producer to make stuff. Sure. You go in and out of commercials at the right times. You know, you have runners that are taking stuff between your, your judges and your, your commentary staff to make sure everything's on the same page constantly. Like there's things you have to set up and do. Right. And then you're paying your personalities to be on camera and all that. So like there, there are costs, but when you're talking about people wanting coverage badly, because there's been no real big events except for worlds and worlds do great coverage wise, by the way, right. In multiple languages, but there's been no big events to do coverage of in, in over almost two years at this point, like, you know, that's going to be a draw. Like, I don't think I ever remember a time where I saw that many people asking for coverage links or whatever on social media. Like, so I, I just don't get it because like I said, I mean, I know I could go talk to ultra pro right now. They would pony up to have their name on something. knowing it's going to be the biggest magic thing, show off some new products, whatever. I'm sure wizards would do it. You know, and maybe they won't foot the whole bill, but they'll probably be like, yeah, we'll pay you a grand or two and get this many commercials during the weekend or this many mentions or whatever. Cool. You could probably make that happen. But like, hell, I don't know. KMC probably would. I mean, there's probably a bunch of different brands or companies that would do it. So it's such a weird thing. I don't really. And this is coming off of the flesh and blood tournaments that I would assume are going to end up with a fraction of what the potential views would be on a big magic event at this point. Especially since the magic event also has all these content creators promoting it because they're going to be there. Right. So you can get all their communities. So I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird feeling to have such big events happening and just have zero coverage. Like even at this part of the year, it'll be right before Thanksgiving where nothing's going on yeah. <laughs> and there's, and there's no coverage, right? That's, that's the part that's just so awkward to me, but I don't like, I know I would watch, I don't know about you, but I'd be curious. I'd be curious from a spectacle, just like what's the tournament like and how do people feel and trying to like get the vibe for people that hadn't even been to an event in two years. Like, yeah, because it has been basically forever. <laughs> yeah, that to me would be a big enough spectacle even beyond the gameplay. But I don't know. There's still a couple weeks. Maybe they toss something together. Maybe they change their mind. But And this isn't for me to just bash them. This is just me saying, like, I just don't understand. Like, And if somebody from Channel Fireball is listening, like, yes, if you need somebody, let me know. I will fly down and do commentary. <laughs> like, but I'm sure you can make that happen over the next, what, two to three weeks that we have this planning. But that brings us to our dinner table conversation. And there's an incident going around with the Kickstarter product right now that leads to another conversation. But this in particular, there's a, a gentleman that goes by the name of Brandon Dixon. And his name started making the rounds recently because he had a product or project, I should say, on Kickstarter. It's obviously not a product yet, which is part of the problem, uh, called Swordfall or Swordsfall. Uh, there's an S in there in the middle. But it was an RPG setting, and it was also going to have an art book with it. And the idea was this project was going to be basically black created, black written. 
illustrated by black artists, the whole nine yards, right? To create that level of diversity in the tabletop gaming community. And people were like, hey, I support this. This is a good idea. And they raised $120,000, which is no small change. Like, that's a good project on, on Kickstarter. But then as the months have gone on and stuff hasn't been delivered and people have been checking in, he's not responded to some people. He's had some insufficient answers. Stories have started coming out that he didn't even pay his writers and he didn't pay his, oh, his artists. He didn't pay his artists like he said he was going to. The game wasn't as far developed as he made it sound like it was. People who've called him out on it, he's threatened legal action, which... By the way, that threat is always meaningless because when you can't even afford to make your damn thing when you made $120,000, how are you going to pay a lawyer to come after me? Like, quit lying. Like, And what would even be the basis for that? Like, libel? It's not libel I mean, as long as you haven't shipped a product. Yeah, exactly. If they can show, like, hey, I have nothing that shows you paid me. <laughs> yeah. Ta-da! <laughs> like, like that, that's as we say problem. in journalism, truth is an absolute defense for libel. And until he ships a product, he's got no case. Not even ship a product, just pay the people that were on so the yeah, product. Yeah, pay the people who worked on the product. You, you got that's no case until you do that. But but the reason I bring this up, like, even that aside, we, we know he messed up. He's not being a quality human right now. There's also been, which I haven't seen the stories, but apparently there was some under some discussion of him having fetish-sized some non-binary folks. I don't know the truth of that. I haven't read that part. I'm just saying it's out there enough that it's at least an underlying story to the whole thing. But I bring this up because it feels like at least once or twice a year, I see some stories going around social media where people get feel duped because a Kickstarter product didn't deliver. And one of the things I want to tell, and, and this is also for those of you who plan to run a Kickstarter, but as well as for those of you that want to shop on Kickstarter. Now, I'd have to go check my account. I don't know what the actual number of items is I've gotten from Kickstarter, but it's it's a it's a good amount. And I've not I've only had one thing not deliver, and it was in the very beginning. Uh, I won't say the very beginning of Kickstarter, but early on, and. It was an item that it was like a color changing workout shirt. And the guy ended up basically doing a similar thing to this, where he just under the guy really underestimated how much it was going to cost for production. And then he couldn't get all the things he wanted. And then like some colors didn't come out the way he wanted. So he had to redo the, sh the production of them and ultimately ended up only delivering something like some small single digit percentage of the things he was supposed to deliver. Uh, which led to him literally having a case with like, uh, I want to say the Pennsylvania state attorney general. And like, it, it got real bad. Got wow. real bad. But that got me looking at other projects I've, I've been involved in or, or bought from or whatever. And it's always about looking at the item. So I'm going to, I'm going to break this down here. And if I can, I may try to get this on camera for YouTube, but uh, you can go to kickstarter.com, uh, type in Swordsfall, S-W-O-R-D-S-F-A-L-L, -L, if you want to kind of follow along for this portion. But if you go down the Kickstarter, he has some reasonable stuff. Where you can do the $1 pledge if you just want to give them some money to say, hey, I want to support and follow for updates, but I don't necessarily have the money to buy, which a lot of people do. You can only have a $1 to $5 level on most of these. He has a $30 level, which is just for all the digital stuff, which is like, all right, cool. Seems reasonable. But then even at $50, to 
to get all the digital stuff, then hardback book and the art back and or the art book and all this stuff. Like then it starts to get a little expensive because remember at this point he hasn't even paid all of his artists yet. Much less the production of the books and any of the writers and any of that other stuff, right? Like that's all got to come out of this like 50 and 60 dollars for a book. And then you also have to consider shipping costs and everything else. And then if you don't ship them yourself, which you know, with 2000 backers, let's assume at over a thousand of those are probably going to want physical copies of something in the Kickstarter. You're probably going to use a shipping house or a warehouse, and they're going to charge you a dollar or two per item that goes out the door. Generally speaking, if they don't charge like a percentage for each thing. So that's another big chunk of change, right? So there's, there's already a lot of money going out of the door out of this 120 K. And then you start looking at what really buries a lot of these Kickstarter projects and it's the stretch goals because everybody like one F your stretch goals. The average person doesn't even give a damn. They really don't like they like, seriously, I, most people, I don't, if you ask them, it's like, Oh, the stretch goals are cool, but I pitched in or I bought because I thought the item or the idea or the project or the concept or whatever was cool. And that's why they're giving you the money. Anything else is just a bonus because a bunch of those people, you know what they do? They go and they back it before you even reach your second stretch goal. And then you end up having six or seven stretch goals, and then they get a bunch of bonus stuff. They never even came back to check your thing again, right? They might have gotten an email that says, hey, this successfully funded. And then they go see all the stretch goals. They're like, oh, that's sweet. I'm going to get this other stuff. But they'd already given your money well before you got there. And what people don't realize, one, and I saw this with Reaper Miniatures, because they had some huge Kickstarters that did millions. They actually lost some extra money. They still made money in their project, mind you, but they lost profits from what they would have had because of the time they ran it at the beginning of the year, shipping costs went up. So they didn't have that figured in. And when they were shipping like racks of stuff, like some of those things you were getting like 80 miniatures or something or whatever, right? That adds weight. (laughs) And the same thing on these, these stretch goals, right? If you're like, oh, okay, well now you're getting a set of dice and now you're getting a button and a pin and whatever right okay well once you start adding four or five items okay well now you've added another pound right like okay well that's going to add another dollar or two of shipping to every box that goes out the door right so those things start to add up and then again which we didn't know this at the time but if you're adding all these things about okay well there's going to be this extra story and there's going to be these extra character things and these extra maps and there's this whatever well there's still somebody's got to do all that work and he's got to pay for that, too. And then there's like you can get special finishes on things and people do like foil covers and, like that, and those have an extra cost. So it, it's there's a lot of things. So a lot of times when I'm looking at Kickstarters, I try to look at what do I think the actual costs are right for the thing I'm buying. And do I feel this is reasonable? And then I look at the rest of what they're trying to offer in their package, even with their stretch goals and say, OK, if they do reach another twenty thousand dollars. Are they able to deliver on this? Like, yeah, probably. But when it's like, okay, we're going to make this special case, or we're going to make this bag, or we're going to do this thing. And I'm like, ooh, I know how long production can be on those, right? Ooh, I know how difficult that can be if the measurements aren't right. Right? Okay, well, maybe they're not going to deliver on time. And I don't even mind you delivering on time if you're honest about it, right? If you just say, hey, you know what? This cost us more than we thought. Or hell, especially right now, you'd be like, man, the facility we were getting it from has like COVID issues. Everything's backed up two months, you know, whatever. Like, cool. As long as you're being open and honest about it, I don't care. Honestly, even, even for Brandon Dixon here, right? I think 
had he not been so defensive and he just been up front with people, I don't think people would have really cared. I think they would have cut on some slack. If he just said, hey, look, this is costing us a little more than I thought. I'm going to need to get another 5K, 10K, whatever together to make sure we make the production run and I can pay the artist or whatever it was, right? I think people would be like, ah, that sucks. But hey, I get you're trying to do right by everybody. As opposed to, no, it's fine. It's coming along. It's going to be okay. Oh, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. Oh, they're lying about me. You know, whatever. And then now all of a sudden it's like, well, are all these people lying? (laughs) So now you just look bad. And now you're going to have a hard time getting people to support your product. Even thinking optimistically, once you deliver your product, you're going to have a hard time getting people to support it further or future products or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. All I say is like, I've been very lucky, but I, like I said, I try to look at what are realistic costs? What are realistic timelines? You know, when you're saying, hell, this dude posted, he was going to deliver some of this stuff in March through May, 2020. Wow. With all that we know was going on in the world, you know, and COVID happening and everything else, like your first thing should have been like, Hey, once you got to February or or got to January going like, Hey, look, things aren't looking good. Y'all like, you know, like we we're probably not going to be able to deliver on this or whatever and just start letting people know. But yeah, Kickstarter, man, it's, it's, it's a tough world because ultimately you're helping fund an idea. And at the end of the day, there are going to be some number of them that where the person does do everything to try to produce the thing and get out the door. And they just might run out of dollars. You know, and at least if they're upfront about that, and even if I gave you 20 bucks and I don't get my thing, I'd be disappointed, but like, hey, I get it. Right? Especially right now, again, during COVID, cost of products has gone up. Yeah. You know, if you if you want, if your thing requires extra paper, extra lumber, whatever, that's expensive right now. So like you, in some cases, your cost of production could be up anywhere between 50 to 120%. Like if you came back and be like, guys, I just ran out of money because COVID happened. Like, all right, cool. You don't have to get defensive and, and call people liars or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying, don't, I'm not saying avoid Kickstarter. Just be very aware of what it is you're buying and what the expectations are. You know, try to see if the things that people are posting are realistic. You know, if they post something today on Kickstarter and they say they're going to try to deliver in February or March, well, you look and go, hey, is this a thing that can realistically be produced that fast? Especially if they tell you they're producing overseas or anything else. Then you're like, well, now stuff's got to come by plane or boat and whatever. And like, if they're like, hey, we're producing this in a factory in the same town we're in or whatever. Okay, cool. Then maybe they probably can do it. (laughs) Right. You're, you're walking next door effectively to go talk to somebody about production and oversee it. Eh, it probably will get done, but you just got to understand that or ask those questions, you know, and just know what you're doing because I think it's great to be able to support new projects, new ideas. There's several items that now exist that got started on Kickstarter and that's awesome. So I, I appreciate what they're doing. I just want everybody to be, I don't know what's the best. We're just smart about how you're buying through Kickstarter. Yeah. Because remember, Caveat Mtor, I believe is the term. Yeah. Because it's not a store. You're not buying an item that's guaranteed with refund potential and all this, right? You're helping fund an idea to a product or item, right? That's the biggest thing. You have to remember that. So 
you want to increase your odds that you actually get that item that you're helping fund or, or that idea you're trying to bring to life. Whew. All right. I think that's it for this week, Brian. Why don't you tell everybody how to find you on social media? I am DL Caesar on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And you can watch me put myself through the paces with new items that I may like or dislike over at Power Dragon Reviews and Reacts if you want to check that out. But as always, wherever you're watching, whenever you're listening, I get this weird when we're in both places. I have to say watching and or listening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please take care of yourself with COVID and all the crap that's out there. Get your flu shots because it's that time of year again. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash color of magic you can also find us on facebook under color of magic and if you want to follow us along at twitter you can find us there at color of mtg and as always please share the podcast around to your friends your network people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base 